You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Last week we were in a hotel room, and, and I don't know if you're like me. The first night in a hotel room, I don't sleep well. Um, I don't sleep, the first night anywhere, I don't sleep well because you're trying to get used to everything going on around you. And so we're in, a, we're in a hotel, we're laying there and I'm trying to fall asleep and I realize, okay, so the light on the TV is red when the TV's off, which is stupid to me. Why would you make a TV that has the light on when the TV's off? So anyway, that's on and that's bright. And so I'm laying there and then you feel this flashing. And so I look up, okay, the green flashing light's a smoke detector. What does the air conditioner sound like when it comes on? And so you go through all these, all these things and you know, the, the hotel curtains, I think it's just a sick joke that they do. They have those nice black out curtains, but they just leave a crack like that, where it doesn't get fully dark. So you get used to everything like that, and then you finally fall asleep, and you know, it's not your pillow, and so I'm jacking with the pillow, and then I have this, I I go on these things, I call them trains of thoughts, and so you start with one thought, and you end up in this whole different place. Well, I started down a train of thought that I had to stop quickly, because I was jacking with the pillow, I was like, I wonder how many heads have laid on this pillow. I was like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. So... So the, I finally fall asleep. About three o'clock in the morning, I got to get up and go to the bathroom, okay? And so I wake up and, you know, you, I'd finally just gotten that hard sleep, you know, and then you, gotta, then you wake up and, and that's just, hey, if you're young, man, enjoy your sleep. When you get older, you get up in the middle of the night, peeing's a part of life, you know? So I wake up and I'm like, okay, where am I? And so I, I realize, you know, okay, oh, that's right, we're in the hotel room. Okay, I've got to figure this out. And I'm not wanting to turn on the light because I don't want to be the one responsible for waking Heather up. You know, I don't want to say, good morning, how was your sleep? It was awful. You woke me up, didn't go back to sleep. So, um, so I get out of bed and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of moving, you know, you're doing, the, you're doing the, the, the walk and now you're like, okay, you know, here we go. I finally start getting the hang of it and my left leg starts swinging. And another sick joke for this hotel room was whoever designed the bed, designed the feet of the bed to stick out much farther than the mattress. Well, right in that swing, my shin caught the side of that bed. Remember, it's dark, middle of the night. I don't want to wake up, Heather. So all these unholy thoughts are coming up. And I'm like, I can't scream. I can't say anything. And so I'm just dealing with it. So I finally, I'm like, get to the bathroom. And, and where the toilet is, it has a door, but the door is like this glass door. It's a thick, frosted, like inch-thick, frosted glass door. So you can't see in, which is a good thing. But so I'm, I finally get to that. And I feel that. And so I pull it open. And about halfway, when you're pulling it, it starts going, Mah! I'm like, no, 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 no. So you're trying to get the door open. I finally get it open. So I go in, pee, get in bed, feel my way back to bed. And so I fall back asleep. So the next morning I get up, hey, I didn't wake up Heather. Goal accomplished. So I asked Heather, how was your sleep? She goes, hey, it was fine until the middle of the night. And I was like, whoa, what? She goes, well, um, you left the door open and I hit it with my face. I was like, because <laughs> I thought the great thing to do was when she gets up in the middle of the night, so I don't wake up, I don't hear, you know, so I just left the door all the way open so she could just go right in the bathroom. Well, she's feeling around in the dark, and then, bam. She's <laughs> like, love you, honey. <laughs> you want to go get breakfast now? So 
It's just funny, man, just tripping in the dark. And we all do that. I mean, we're like, we're, we're funny in the dark because we can't get our senses. And, and Jesus is going to teach us a little bit about tripping up in the dark and being tripped up in the dark this morning. Uh, if you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 11. And Jesus is having an interaction with the crowd. And I'll call this crowd skeptics, um, cynics, and, and religious people. And, and so Jesus is, is speaking with them. And to set the context of this, in earlier in chapter 11, Jesus had cast out a demon. And there's people in the crowd that are trying to trap Jesus, and they're trying to force him to to do a sign, uh, some miracle from heaven, to show he is who he says he is. So he casts out a demon, and then they accuse him of casting out demons under the power of the the devil instead of the power of God. So Jesus has to set some people straight. Jesus perceives the heart. And so he's going to give this, he's going to give this, uh, teaching, he's going to have this interaction that, that is, is really kind of intense if you really think about it. And in Luke chapter 11, it starts verse 29, it says, uh, when the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the son of man be to this generation. The, the, this, this story is paralleled in Matthew, um, and in Matthew chapter 12, it talks about Jesus, they say to Jesus, we want to see a sign from you, and Jesus says, no sign will be given except that which is of Jonah, which who was in the, in the belly of the well for three days, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth for three days. And so Jesus says, a sign will not be given to you other than the sign of Jonah, for Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so that the Son of Man will be to this generation. The queen of the south, this is the queen of Sheba, will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So what's happening is the people are like, Jesus, we want to see a sign so we can see your power. We want to see your greatness. And asking Jesus for a sign is not just these people. The disciples even ask for a sign. The disciples in um, uh, John chapter 6, Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 men. Uh, It's estimated the crowd of 20,000 people Jesus just fed with a kid's happy meal, five loaves, two fishes, And there was leftovers. Then Jesus sends the disciples ahead in a boat. Jesus walks on water to the disciples, gets in the boat. The disciples say this. So Jesus, what sign are you going to do so that we'll believe you are who you say you are? What work are you going to perform? And Jesus had to have looked up at at the God, the Father, and go, why did we create them so stupid? (laughs) I I mean, but we're all that way. I mean, I've shared this story before. When I was 14 years old, I was like, God, I'll believe in you if you'll levitate me two feet off of the bed. I mean, we all do this. We're, God, I want you to jump through my hoops. I want you to perform a sign. I want you to do something spectacular so that I will know you are who you say you are. I want you to do something for me. God says, I don't play those games. I I, I did a, there's another sign that, that was asked for. Um, in, in Luke chapter uh, uh, 16, then uh, there's a man, a beggar named Lazarus, 
who used to beg at a gate of a rich man. They both died. Lazarus was, it was called Abraham's bosom. So Lazarus is in heaven. The rich man's in hell. And but he can see, there's this chasm. He can see and he's, he's asking Abraham to send somebody to warn his family. He said, if you'll, they, and Abraham goes, they have the law and the prophets. They got Moses. He said, no, no, no. If, if you will send somebody, if you will raise somebody from the dead and send somebody for the duration, then they'll believe. And he said, and he said, they've got all this stuff. Even if someone is raised from the dead, they will not be convinced. Let me tell you where this scripture really became real to me. I was doing a funeral several years ago. Very difficult funeral. Um, and, and during the service, I'm, I'm on the front row. It, was, it wasn't here, but it's another church. I was on the front row, and music's going, and the slideshow and everything. And out of the corner of my eye, I see something that, that, that kind of catches. And I look over, and it's a young woman that walks up and puts her hand on the casket. The first thing I notice is she doesn't have shoes on. I was like, okay, this is awkward. You know, and I end up in some awkward situations. I mean, I, I don't know if I have that. It's such a natural gift end up in some crazy situations. So I look and I'm like, okay, that's weird. And then she just walks back. So then, so I get up, I start preaching this funeral and I see all my team in the back and they're giggling and cracking up. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna beat y'all when I'm done. And so I'm like trying to, I'm trying to look at them. And all of a sudden this same young woman walks up in the, I'm in the middle of preaching and she walks up and puts her hand on the casket. And I'm looking at this, are y'all gonna do something about this? I mean, where's security? How about we get this? How about we? And, and so I see the family. They're looking over like, and they're like, who, who is this? Who, who is this girl? What is going on? And so we get through the service. And after the service, her and this other young man come up to me and they, they knew my name. They said, Pastor Matt, we don't believe it was God's will for this girl to die. I said, well, it's not up to you to determine what God's will is and what God's will is not. And this was not a surprise to God. And they're like, well, we just, here's what we believe. We believe that God's going to raise that girl from the dead at this service and revival's going to break out. Okay, my flesh wanted to punch him. I mean, th- I mean, that article in the paper the next day would have been local pastor punches young punks at a funeral. Heather would have bailed me out of jail and it'd been not, that'd been in a story. But I, I just start praying. I was like, God, I just need some wisdom here because I want to grab these people by the neck because this family is going through the roughest day of their life. I mean, you got, you got parents that have lost a 22-year-old daughter, and you got all this going on, and they're, they're, they're going to trample all over this day. And so I'm, I'm just, I can feel it. I can feel the fight. And they said, we believe revival's going to break out because of this. And that, that verse came to mind. Even if this girl was raised from the dead, they're not going to believe. The gospel has been preached even at this funeral service, and they've got the gospel it doesn't take a resurrection from this. Well, we believe, I said, let me tell you something. After everyone leaves the cemetery, you can pray to your heart's content. You can pray till tomorrow for all I care, but you will not do anything in front of any of this family to cause any issues on a day that's already the most tragic of their life. And I stood there until every family member left and I kept my eyes live. I was, I was on them. And I was like, I will beat you down. <laughs> I mean, I was, I gave the mom look like, you move, I will tear you up. And I waited. As soon as the last car left, I looked at him and said, you can start praying all you want. And I turned around and walked away. 
See, we want the spectacular. We think if God does something so big, so incredible, so grand, that everybody will believe. These, this crowd is saying, Jesus, show us a sign. Do something. I mean, Jesus like, what do you want to do? You want to pull a rabbit out of a hat? You mean the scarf trick? What do you want? I'm not going to play your games. I'm not going to jump through your hoops. I am the son of God standing in front of you speaking that drove out with my authority the enemy. And you want me to do some kind of trick for you? I see a lot of us, we, we miss the power of God because we're looking for some spectacular thing and we're, we're missing the ordinary. And Jesus said, the ordinary sign is gonna be given to you. You got the sign of Jonah. Jonah has been spoken of in your generation because jo- let me, if, you, if you're new to scripture, let me tell you who Jonah was. Jonah was a man that God called to a city called Nineveh. He said, I want you to go preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. Joseph, or, uh, Jonas, Jonas brothers, Jonah ran, I don't know, I'm going crazy. I've been on vacation, y'all. Cut me some slack, Jack. Jonah ran. He said, I'm not going. He gets on a boat going another direction. All of a sudden, storm comes up, boat's in trouble, boat's gonna sink, people are freaking out, and Jonah has to go to him and say, my disobedience is sinking your boat. Throw me over. All right, (laughs) you know, they throw him over. He gets swallowed by a fish. Three days, he's in the belly of this fish. And I don't know if that's time out or what, but I mean, he had to think about what he did. He gets thrown up on shore. I mean, literally thrown up, like Hua, on shore. And he says, you know what? I think I'm gonna go to Nineveh. <laughs> he goes to Nineveh. He preaches a simple message of repentance. The city gets saved. The city turns in repentance. No major sign. No fire from heaven like Elijah. A simple message of repentance. The people were saved. And Jesus said, those people that got saved that day, they're gonna stand up against you in the judgment. Because you want a sign, they're going to say, we, didn't, we just had the straight up word of God. He says, oh, well, if you want to go on, man, consider the queen of the south, queen of Sheba. She came from the end of the earth to seek wisdom from Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man. Solomon, if you, if you don't know scripture, was praying. He was obedient and faithful. And God said, ask me anything you want, Solomon. Solomon didn't ask to be the richest man in the world. He didn't ask for anything. He says, I want wisdom. And God granted him wisdom. You and I, we can have wisdom. You know how we get it? The book of James teaches us, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. When you ask, believe, don't doubt. He will give you wisdom. So what's, what's spectacular about a head of state traveling a long distance to receive godly wisdom from somebody? Well, when you understand what wisdom does, Solomon, the wisest man, wrote in Ecclesiastes 7 that wisdom preserves the life of those who have it. What's spectacular about that? You have the head of a state, you have a queen humbling herself to the wisdom of God to preserve life. That's the spectacular. Jonah preaches an ordinary message of repentance. You know what's spectacular? Over 120,000 people get saved. A city is saved. See, we, we, we miss the spectacular because we're, we're, we're just, or we miss, we miss the power of God. We miss the spectacular because we're failing to recognize how he's at work in the ordinary. And Jesus says, you know, this, something greater than Solomon is here. 
I am a greater wisdom than Solomon. Jesus is something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah preached repentance. Jesus is the one who paid for it. He said, you're, you're asking for a sign. I'm not doing a sign for you. You've got enough standing in front of you. You have the gospel standing in front of you. And Jesus uses this as a, as a, a teaching moment to go on. When you, it looks like the next section, the next passage, is a disconnect. But Jesus is connecting this because he's, he's going to teach us a lesson on being careful about our senses, specifically our eyes. Because we think with our eyes, we see something great, that that's going to change our heart. But he says, be careful about what you're looking for. How are you looking? And what are you looking for? He says this. He says, no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it on a, a, in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Jesus is going into a warning here and saying, look, you need to live as, as though the light has changed you. Be careful about your eyes. Consider your eyes. Your eyes are letting this light in. Be careful about what you're letting in. Be careful about what you're looking for and be careful how you're looking for it. I mean, Jesus speaks a lot about light. In the New Testament, Jesus considers us and tells us that we are salt and light. We sang earlier about we are who he says we are. He said, you're salt. You're to flavor the world around you. You're light. You're to illuminate the world around you. In Ephesians chapter five, he says, live as children of the light. Don't pursue the works or the fruit of darkness, but he says, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We love that part. We love exposing other people. I mean, we all subscribe to this theory. If we're gonna get honest with each other, we want grace for me, justice for them. You know, I don't want the speeding ticket, but that fool driving like a crazy maniac needs one. And we love the exposing part, but, but let me help you with something. Jesus said, you don't put a lamp in a cellar. You don't put a lamp under a basket. You put a lamp on a stand so that it can be seen. But the first thing the lamp illuminates is the lamp. So Jesus is saying, be careful because it's lighting you up. Before you can expose someone else, you yourself are exposed. It's time for some self-check. What does that light reveal in you? What does that light reveal in me? Because if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna live as a child of the life, I'm gonna be a son of God, if I'm gonna be a child of the king, if I'm gonna be saved and redeemed and set free by the Lamb of God, if I'm gonna submit my life to the King of kings and Lord of lords, then here's what happens. He lights me up first. And I gotta look at me. Because I can get real good. See, that lamp, see, when we, when we, when we turn on this lamp, here's what happens. Nothing. It lights me up first. But we really like to use this 
to go around going, I can see that speck in your eye. Uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, I see it now. And we're, we're blind to our own log. Jesus is saying, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. He's given some warnings in verse 35. The big warning, he says, be careful lest the light in you be darkness, is, is are we living, are you living, am I living in a complete blindness to the gospel? The gospel is the good news. Jesus reveals the true gospel. Jesus is the gospel. The gospel is this. It's the power of God unto salvation. What does that mean? It means that you and I can have a life in Christ. And see, just as much as we understand this light, we have to understand that we have an enemy that is trying to snuff out that light. The enemy in Scripture is referred to as an angel of light. And Paul gives a, a warning to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He says, in their case, the God of this world, Satan. It's amazing to me how many Christians, when studied and, or surveyed, don't believe in the devil and don't believe in hell. Um, I'm sorry, if you claim to be a Christ follower, this uh, is something we should be in. And it tells us very clearly we have an enemy that's roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he, whom he, devour, whom he may devour. If, if we're unwilling to acknowledge the existence of an enemy, we've just said we don't have to fight anything. If I say I don't have to fight anything, I've already lost. The God of this world, the enemy, who masks himself as an angel of light, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing. Seeing what? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And the enemy wants to get people blinded about the truth of the gospel, the gospel, the good news, that Jesus is the son of God, lived a perfect life, was born of a virgin, walked this earth, gave his life on a cross, took on the sin and the wrath of God against that sin for you and I, as he hung on the cross, his blood took care of of the atoning sacrifice. He was laid in a tomb for three days. Jesus said, you want a sign? Nothing's gonna be given to you except the sign of Jonah. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the beast for three days, so will the son of man be in the, in the belly of the earth for three days. Jesus didn't hang out waiting to be thrown up out of the grave. Jesus descended in the depths of hell, defeated death, hell, the grave, walked out of hell with the keys. There's a function to the gospel. There's an action to the gospel. The action of the gospel is that Jesus, the son of God, for God so loved us, even in our sin, even in our death, even tripping around in the darkness, that Jesus came so that he may be the light. Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through me. The enemy will try to lie to us and get us in blindness about the gospel and tell us stupid lies like the truth is in you. The power to change is within you. Just believe in yourself. Let me tell you what, that's a bunch of junk because I don't have the power to change myself. I have the power to continue to screw this up. I don't have the power to sustainable change. I have to have a power much greater than me at work in me to work through me to sustain any change in my life. 
And the enemy wants to lie to us. Well, well, there's all kinds of roads that lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except to me. In Acts, there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved other than the name of Jesus. This gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's time for the light to be turned on about how we get saved. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. It is a gift of grace by faith. How do we get it? We submit ourselves to the lordship of Jesus. We fall on the mercy of Jesus. And we say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me. I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose again. I don't understand it. My faith My salvation is not dependent on my understanding. It's dependent on my submission to Jesus as my Lord, Savior, Redeemer, King, Master, Leader, Boss, Father, God. And that's how, y'all gonna make me preach. If y'all start to see, when they clap, I get all excited. I feel something in me. There's no other way. That's how it happens. You may not feel goosebumps when it happens, but here's what you need to know. When we confess Jesus as Lord, submit ourselves and throw ourselves on his mercy, we're saved. We're redeemed. We go from this. Okay, deep theological truth here, okay? We go from this to that. Just in case you missed it. We go from this to that, all right? You need to remember that. Every time you turn a light switch on, I went from this to that. Thank you, Jesus. From this to that. Got it? I mean, y'all might have to take notes on that. Just write down on your notes. I went from this to that, okay? This to that, this to that. That's what I did. This to that, this to that. That's what happens. The enemy wants to do everything he can to cover this up. He doesn't want you to see it. He doesn't want anybody to see it. But he can never stop this light from shining. Brandon, show us that darkness cannot overtake light. Light overtakes darkness. He's gonna go blackout on us. Look at this, look at this. See, darkness never wins over the light. The other thing that Jesus warns us about, you can bring those lights up again. That Jesus, oh, hey, everybody. Uh, That Jesus warns us about is living with a misguided concept of the gospel. See, salvation is an experience that happens when we submit to Jesus. But what we are called to do is walk in continual submission. It's an ongoing process. Let me give you your church word of the day, sanctification called maturity, growing up. Jesus wants you to grow up. If you're a parent, you want your kids to grow up. You want that, you raise your kids to leave, okay? I know some of you parents, and I was this way, I don't want my kids to leave. You will cross that threshold. (laughs) You will, trust me, you will. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, your kid hits, you will cross that threshold. I'm ready for you to go. I love you, but I'm ready for you to go. I want you in my house as a visitor. (laughs) 
It's a process of maturity. Jesus is growing us up. Sanctification. If we live, Jesus says, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. What he's saying is, follow this. Live in this submission. Because I hear, it's, it's this attitude, well, I prayed the prayer, I'm good. Okay. Can we go down that road now? If you said words after somebody as just words, there's nothing. The the prayer of salvation isn't a chant that somehow unlocks the key to the afterlife. The prayer of salvation has to come from a heart submitted to Jesus as Lord. I don't need a sign, Jesus. I got you. And if you've prayed that prayer, then you're saved. But you and I are called to live like it. It should, see, this transforms everything about how we live. It's not you manufacturing the change. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that is illuminating you and I that as we see these things, as the lamp gets revealed, we say, Holy Spirit, change me. We pray like David prayed, search my heart, God. Reveal any way in me that's wicked, that's evil, that loves the dark. And I confess that to you and I repent that of that and I turn from that and I ask to walk in your light. See, if we think that if this misguided concept of the gospel really ultimately leads us into a process of abusing grace... And Paul challenges the, the church in Rome in chapter six of Romans. He said, what shall we sin? Are we to go on sinning so that grace may abound? No. How can you who died to sin still live in it? What Paul's challenging them, if that's your attitude, you just said a prayer. You haven't submitted your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You said some chant or something that you're hoping is going to open up the afterlife, but you've not submitted your life to Jesus. Here's what you're doing. You have not gone from this to that. What you're doing is, I've got the light of Jesus. I've got the light of Jesus. You got nothing. Where's the submission? See, the enemy wants to leave us blinded in this misconception of the gospel to give us license to live life our way. And if we're going to live life our way, then we're going to stumble and we're going to trip in the dark. And we're going to go through life bruised and bloody and walking into all kinds of things and wonder where are you, God? He's going to say, I'm right here. I'm ready to turn it on. I'm ready to turn it on. For some of you, today's the day that God turns the light on. Brandon, why don't you take us to blackout? Because some of you walked in and you're just sitting in the darkness. And today, 
There hasn't been some, there's been no miraculous sign. There's been no mountain that's been moved. There's been nobody raised from the dead. There's been no blind that can see. There's been no hoops that Jesus jumped through. But all he's doing by the simple act of faith is he's doing this. And for some of you, it's the day that this comes on. And you live with this lit up inside of you. And you go through life, as Jesus said in verse 36, the rays that emanate from that bring glory to God. You and I are the light of the world. The light that shines in us has been put in there by the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to convict us, to convict the world. And today, God's ready to light you up. I wanna pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this light. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world and that you have done everything. You came to earth in the form of a man. You humbled yourself to flesh. You humbled yourself to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, you absorbed the complete and total penalty for my sin. Jesus, you rose again. And you are alive and you are seated at the right hand of the Father, the fullness of glory. We need nothing else other than that. did anything in our life, Jesus, other than save us. You've done more than we deserve. So I ask you today, Jesus, to illuminate the souls of people in this room. I'm not asking for people, Jesus, just to say words. It's a heart submitted to you that transforms life. ordinary call to a spectacular Savior changes it all. So Jesus, I ask for your courage this morning for people that are sitting in darkness and tripping in darkness just to, from a heart submitted just to say, Jesus, I, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to save me. Asking you, Jesus, to light me up. I'm going to live my life fully lit up for you. All for your glory. For some of you, you prayed that maybe for the first time in your life. For some of you, you've you walked away for a while and you're coming back. Welcome back. But for every one of us, we have a call to not hide this light, but let it so shine before men that they see the works of the light and they praise our Father in heaven. God, everything we do is for your glory. We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. 
We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at